1: Call me Caitlin. Cultural elites have greeted the news with almost universal celebration. But sorrow is closer to describing how my Salem colleague Eric Metaxas responded. He turned to Princeton professor and prolific writer Robert P. George.
2: I just want to weep. My heart breaks for somebody um, like Bruce Jenner because it doesn't seem to me that he's okay. And when you put something like this on the cover of of Vanity Fair, you think, what do children think? What are they supposed to think? It's it's all the weirder if you were old enough to watch Bruce Jenner win the decathlon as I was and think, wow, what an amazing athlete. And, you know, I want to grow up to be like that. I, I mean, I bring this up with you because you deal with religious liberty issues. And even to say that this is not a wonderful thing is becoming increasingly difficult in this culture.
3: Oh yes, that's true, and of course the indoctrination of children, uh, even at very young ages, even in elementary school and kindergarten, uh, is well underway. Um, uh, parents who dissent are in a very um, difficult uh, position. They have to pull their kids out of class, or if that's not permitted, pull their kids out of the school, and even the private schools, and in some cases even religious schools, are are buying into this um, to this agenda. So it's a bad thing. But you're right. I mean, I I, I join you in feeling very sorry uh, for, for Bruce Jenner, uh, he's suffering from a gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is, by all accounts, uh, are a kind of form of torture. It's, it's, it's terrible psychologically. It's just a form of, of torture. And so people desperately try to find a way to resolve the dysphoria. Uh, but um, today, instead of being encouraged to fix the problem at the psychological level, they're encouraged rather to uh try to fix the problem uh, at the biological level the trouble of course is that that's not where the uh where the problem is you won't be surprised eric uh, to hear me say that uh i think the ideology that is uh behind this transgender movement is really a revival of an ancient heresy called gnosticism um how do you, how do you mean
2: that's interesting
3: yeah well uh, among Gnosticism took many different forms, but some of the uh, most uh, significant forms of Gnosticism involved the idea that the person is not really his or her body. Uh, Rather, the body is merely a vehicle, merely a kind of instrument of the person considered as the soul or the mind or the conscious and desiring aspect of the self. So the real person is this psychological uh, reality and the body's just uh, irrelevant it's just a it's just an instrument it is of no personal significance it's not part of the personal reality uh of the uh, of the human being so once you've divided body and person uh, in that way, you can uh, suppose that uh you could have such a thing as a female person that is a female psyche that has been mismatched to a male body, and then you would be tempted to think, well, we can fix that by." simply manipulating the male body, doing some surgery, some um, some, some cuts and tucks. Uh, and voila, you've got the psychological female now aligned properly with a female body.
2: Just to show you, we talk about religious liberty right, and cultural pressure. While we were talking uh, a little bit earlier, I got a tweet from somebody rebuking me on Twitter for referring to him as Bruce Jenner and saying... You know, why not call him Caitlyn because he's chosen to be called like, you know, and I think to myself, surely, surely the culture has gone mad because how are people supposed to process this? I think about children. And I just want to say this because I I think I want to say to folks out there, you don't have to be a bigot to be troubled by this. I mean, my heart breaks, frankly, for Bruce Jenner. My heart breaks for this man. He's clearly. Struggling with something, but the idea that he has fed this crazy this crazy information that says oh here's here's your solution become a woman uh and and I think what are children supposed to think when they when they when they look at this what about little children- do we care about little children anymore? I mean what kind of heroes are we giving them? what kind of messages are we sending them? Surely sane people have to care about that
3: so many of our problems today I think stem from the fact that we have placed adult satisfaction above everything else. And when a society does that, of course, the ultimate losers are our children, and children who need stability, children who need care, children who need formation, children who need to be brought up with virtues and an understanding of what what virtue is. You know, Eric, uh, historians of ideas sometimes divide time up into epochs, and so they say, for example, that the Middle Ages were the age of faith, the medieval period, the age of faith, and then they say the Enlightenment era, that was the age of of reason. Well, if the medieval period was the age of faith and the Enlightenment period was the age of uh, reason, uh, we live in the age of feeling. Just as faith was the measure of all things in mm. the medieval period, and reason was the measure of all things in the um, Enlightenment period, today for so many people, feeling is the measure of all things, and you can take that to the extreme, as we see now in the Jenner case, of imagining that how you feel actually determines what you are. Right. If you feel you're a woman, or at least your image of what a, a woman is, you can't have an actual experience of what being a woman is if you're not a woman, but anyway, your sense of what, you're, what you imagine it must be like to be a woman, you can imagine if I feel that way, then I am a woman. But, of course, that's just an attempt to fly in the face of, of reality.
2: I have to tell you, though, this is, is so I, – I think that most Americans, most large-hearted Americans, because we're a very tolerant culture, tolerant to a fault, people try to puzzle these things through and say, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, and so I'll go along with this and I'll go along with that. And I think that's a noble impulse. I, I think that the impulse to persecute people, the impulse that many people – have had to be vicious to people struggling with same sex and to to put them down to call them names. That's that's certainly not of God, but right now I think we've come to a logical point where we, we sort of have to stop and take stock because you can no longer just go yeah 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 when you see something like this Vanity Fair cover by Annie Leibovitz of, of Bruce Jenner dressed as he's dressed. Uh, it, it's it's I think. Your average American is simply puzzled, buffaloed, and 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 feels this odd cultural pressure that this is a wonderful thing. And you think, well, then, why don't I think it's wonderful? Why do I want to cry?
3: Yeah, uh, Eric, the the Christian message, and it's not unique to Christianity. Other great traditions of faith have the same message, and that is the importance of speaking the truth in love. Uh, you don't need to be mean to people. You shouldn't be mean to people. As you say, being mean to people is not of God. Uh, you know, I feel sorry for Bruce Jenner. I feel sad for him. Gender dysphoria, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, is by all accounts a terrible, dreadful thing, a kind of, of, of torture. And yet we must speak truth lovingly, but firmly. The impulse to be mean to people, to intimidate them, to bully them, to call them names, to abuse them has not gone away uh you find it now when people like the person who tweeted to you try to intimidate you and bully you into going against your own conscience they call you a bigot they call you names they try to exclude you from having certain jobs or being in certain professions they claim that you make space unsafe for people they demonize you this is the fate we find ourselves uh, with uh, with today if you stand up and try to speak the truth uh, in love to people who want to go down the the the, the road or further down the road of, uh, of narcissism.
1: Dr. George is on to something when he points out that reality, for so much of our culture, is determined by our feelings. But as Christians, we know that our feelings do not determine whether or not something is the case. That is, feeling something just doesn't make it so. As we continue to sort through this set of issues, we'll turn now to Albert Moeller, He addressed the gender story on his briefing program. Even as the
0: celebrity culture focused on this as a matter of sensationalism, we're looking at a very tragic human drama, one that should bring about the compassion of Christians in terms of our thinking, but also the most keen biblical analysis of understanding what's really at stake here. The biblical worldview makes very clear that God, for his glory, has made every single human being as male or female because of his intention for us and for our good. He establishes our identity. One of the most profound contrasts between the biblical worldview and the worldview that is now becoming so popular around us, if not pervasive, is that the biblical worldview tells us that our identity, in terms of the most fundamental questions of our lives, is established by God as an intentional act and not by ourselves. To state the matter bluntly, the scripture is clear. We do not decide when we are born, and we are not to decide when we die. We certainly do not decide to whom we are born or the circumstances into which we are born. We don't decide whether we are a male or a female. All of these things are revealed to us in terms of the circumstances of our birth. But before leaving this issue, we simply have to note there is another element to this that is deeply revealing, and that is that every reference to Bruce Jenner in terms of the politically correct culture, in terms of the dominant moral perspective of this age, is going to be to the past tense it will be as if Bruce Jenner now no longer exists. Now you have the debut on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine of an individual unknown to the world until very recent times. Indeed, until Monday, identified as Caitlyn Jenner. How in the world is it possible that with a straight face, the culture can all of a sudden begin speaking of a living person in the past tense and now speaking of a new person in the present and toward the future? Who knows for how long? But in its essence, that actually points to the impossibility of the whole transgender project. It speaks to the fact that the secular worldview behind this, and even those who are the religious enablers by terms of their argument, can't deal with the fact that Bruce Jenner is still very much alive and is still very much in public view. Now, going by the name Caitlin, but referring to Bruce Jenner in the past tense isn't actually fooling anyone including the people who insist that that's exactly how Bruce Jenner should now be addressed.
4: Coming up... Parents cannot opt their child out of the class. They can't remove their children from the class of a transgender teacher. The
1: strong hand of the state in the school district of Fairfax County, Virginia, when the Christian Outlook returns.
5: Tom Lewis for Cross International. You know, there's some children that need your help right now. Children in the countries of Uganda and Kenya. Cross International, through a series of unique partnerships with our churches and pastors there, have discovered that there are families willing to receive children right into their home, but they've asked for a little help with resources like food, medicine, clothing, school supplies for those children that they are bringing into their home off in the streets. These are children with no mom and no dad. And literally your single gift of $68 per child provides everything they need for a full year and places them in that home with those parents. My friend, would you be willing to make that sacrificial gift right now? Maybe you could rescue a full family of five kids for just $340 as a single gift. Maybe you could rescue 10 children right now at 888-939-2009, 939-2009 or online at SolidGospel.com
2: A Silicon Valley CEO is fired for opposing same-sex marriage. A teenage girl is attacked on campus for protesting abortion. And a college club loses formal recognition for being Christian. This is the country we live in today, in America where people are punished for expressing themselves and then bullied into silence. If you don't agree with a certain liberal agenda, you're targeted for silencing. This is Eric Metaxas, and my good friend Kirsten Powers chronicles this frightening new trend in her brand-new book titled The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech. With fearless candor, Kirsten gives us example after example of men and women who've been punished for expressing opinions that have been suddenly deemed unacceptable. The silencing is a much-needed wake-up call for everyone who cherishes liberty. Who will be the next victim of the silencing?
6: Kirsten Power's book, The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech, from Regnery Publishing, is now available at Amazon.com, Costco, and bookstores
7: everywhere. Hi, this is Dennis Prager. Those of you who have listened to me over the years know that I'm preoccupied with right and wrong, with good and evil. In fact, I'm fixated on goodness. I admit it, it's a preoccupation. And the ancient truths that inform my understanding of goodness are the subject of my latest book. It's out now and called The Ten Commandments, Still the Best Moral Code. This book and the DVD that accompanies it is a project that in a very real sense I've been working on and working from for over four decades. Join me as I explain how in 3,000 years no one has ever come up with a better system than The Ten Commandments for making a better person And a better world. And no one ever will.
6: Dennis Prager's book and DVD from Regnery Publishing, The Ten Commandments, Still the Best Moral Code, is also available in a children's edition book. They're available now at DennisPrager.com and bookstores everywhere.
1: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm your host, Don Crow. As we reflect on the sexual revolution happening in front of us, it would be one thing if this revolution were limited to the spheres of entertainment and media, with little practical impact on the lives of our families and communities. If that were the case, we could just more deliberately turn the TV off. But we know that's just not the case. Fairfax County, Virginia, has been ground zero for a very significant legal battle over that school district's policy over their sex education courses and their effort to push forward a transgender policy on access to bathrooms for the kids. As with so many stories, usually coming out of California, it may be starting here, this time in my backyard just outside of the Beltway, but it may well be coming soon to a school district near you. It all comes under the title of Family Life Education and an update on the non-discrimination policy. Sounds innocuous enough, right? Joining me on my program to talk about it was Andrea Lafferty of the Traditional Values Coalition. On June 25th, the Fairfax County, Virginia School Board will be voting on some certain serious recommendations from the Family Life Education Curriculum Advisory Committee that if approved, I affirm, I infer from what I've read, will radically change some issues regarding gender identity and family life education. Well, join us to talk about it, more specifically, Andrea Lafferty, president of the Traditional Values Coalition. It is, by the way, a grassroots lobby, educating and speaking on behalf of more than 43,000 pastors and and ministries nationwide on issues of pro-family concern. Uh, Prior to joining TVC, uh, Andrea worked in the Reagan and Bush administrations and in various other capacities here on Capitol Hill. Uh, This is an issue, however, that is especially of concern to residents of the county. But if you think about it for a moment, to all of us, Andrea, thank you for joining me.
4: Don, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on.
1: Let's give folks who don't know what's been happening a little background what uh, has been happening recently that's brought this thing to a controversial head, if you might say, uh, on that June 25th night?
4: Well, um, in November of last year, the Fairfax County School Board slipped in uh, to their um, non-discrimination policy, sexual orientation, didn't bother to tell anybody, or really make a big, they did uh, on their on their site, but very few people knew about it. Then May 7th, um, there was a vote on whether or not to add gender identity as a protected class. Now, remember, what this means is, is that gender identity, people that are transgendered, and uh, you know they say that there are 50-plus genders, those people that buy into that. So they've added that to a protected class as where there are African Americans, Hispanics, and others. The board voted on that, although there were hundreds of parents in the room there were hundreds of parents literally locked out of the room. A policeman was at the door with a key, keeping out hundreds of parents. And the board voted. Um, only one person voted to not add this. One abstained, and the rest supported it. Ten supported it. So what that means now is that gender identity is a part of uh, the policy for effects County. It affects all board members and children.
1: And uh, uh, carry it further as to what it implies for our schools, our children, bathroom usage, and some of the other uh, uh, implications of this decision.
4: Well, Virginia, California has arrived. All of the, you know, this is what's gone on in California. It's now here, thanks to Fairfax County uh, School Board. That night, they the story kept changing first um, they said that they had to do it. Then they said that um, if they didn't do it, that the Obama administration had said they would come in and pull their federal money. Then they said they were being told to do it by Vir- the Virginia, you know, governor, whatever. So they didn't have to do it. It was unnecessary. Uh, Mr. Moon, who's on the board, said that this was that the p- current policy was fine, but he of course voted for it, as did um, nine other board members. So that happened, and they, but that night they said, don't worry, there will be no immediate changes, nothing will change. Well, done. two about two business days later, uh, there was a board meeting where they, in fact, um, brought up and were discussing changes to the family life education. This has happened really fast and furious, and we need parents to engage on this, grandparents Um, to become active in what's going on because we're talking about the hearts and minds of future generations.
1: We're talking about really, in a sense, I guess, Andrea, two things, two different things. One's this shift on gender identity to shift to transgender acceptance, but also the larger issue of family life education. Uh, Can you explain those distinctions?
4: Well, and also remember that now that this is a part of their policy, this will mean that if Mr. Smith is a third grade teacher and he wants to become Miss Smith that teacher cannot be removed from the classroom and parents cannot opt their child out of the class they can't remove their children from the class of a transgender teacher it means their children will be forced to accept this, these gender I, these individuals that have they're truly troubled and need help but the children we be forced to acknowledge that is normal and um, and so now what they've done is under Family Life Education, F-L-E, they are moving things around. Some stuff that's been traditionally in Family Life Education will be moved to health. What that means is what used to be where you could opt your child out will be mandatory under health. It looks like, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, fifth grade, There'll be no opt out when they discuss the role of families, which which means same sex marriage and different types of child rearing.
1: Well, is there anything left that parents <laughs> is there anything left that parents can opt their child out of?
4: Well, we are still trying to get to the bottom of this. Um, they say yes, you can opt your kid out of discuss certain discussions, uh, dealing with gender identity, which I think is going to be hard um they've also by the way there will be discussions in fourth grade not just of sex abuse but of incest for 10 year old kids and in eighth grade they're going to talk about contraception methods Mm. um you know in in ninth grade biology the fle will be moving to health um now that will remain the opt-out So this is moving very quickly. The school board is trying to kind of cover their track and their tails. And if your listeners stay tuned, we will continue to update people on what's going on.
1: Now, there are a couple of websites, I think, that folks could uh, check out. One's for the school board hearing, uh, and I guess there are other – another link that indicates changes made.
4: Yes. If you – at at traditionalvalues.org – we have a a pdf that you can download but it has a hyperlink in it online and it says you can actually watch a school board meeting where these changes were discussed about two days or so after the board promised not to do anything and by the way the superintendent said um all of this is a coincidence (laughs) or that there's no connection Mm. yeah also you can read the document where they've lined out and underlined telling you what is new, what gets moved. Um, you know, we, Don, we've got a team of people, awesome parents, moms and dads that are reading through stuff, working with us um, to get the information and let parents know.
1: Coming up, a look at family life in America's urban core.
8: Liberalism is cruel, it has totally collapsed family life in this country.
1: Star Parker in the next segment of the Christian Outlook. Stay with us.
4: Last the.
7: Have you ever noticed that every time the subject of immigration comes up, the conversation just never seems to go anywhere? Our border remains porous and we want a fence, but a fence, we're told from the people who live in gated communities, just won't work. And so the issue dies, and in a nutshell, nothing changes. Hey, this is Mike Gallagher. Most of you are familiar with my friend Ann Coulter and her no-holds-barred approach to the issues and challenges facing the country we all love. Well, she's at it again. And in adios, America, Ann is at her provocative best, trying to stop the left from turning our country into a third-world hellhole. But she's providing our nation the provocative conversation we need to have. And we need to have it now. Grab a copy of Ann's book and let's start that conversation today.
6: Adios, America. The left's plan to turn our country into a third world hellhole. From Ann Coulter is out now from Regnery Publishing and available at Amazon.com. Barnes & Noble, and bookstores everywhere. From pop culture to academia to politics, Christianity is portrayed as built on ancient myths, and the Bible nothing more than a collection of fairy tales. But the critics' arguments against Christianity and Jesus are far weaker than they first appear. In his latest New York Times bestseller, Jesus on Trial, author and lawyer David Limbaugh confronts the skeptics head-on. Applying his expert legal eye to the evidence, Limbaugh produces powerful arguments to show the Bible's historical accuracy and truthfulness in in a way that you've never heard or read before part personal testimony part christian apologetic part informative evaluation of the facts and part primer on theology jesus on trial provides readers with a remarkable reaffirmation of their faith while offering a challenge to skeptics that cannot be ignored read why the gospel's account of jesus resurrection is far more convincing than any other explanation of his fate why the evidence of the resurrection of christ is crucial and much more Get your copy of Jesus on Trial today at your local or online bookstore.
9: CCM Magazine, free and now twice Twice every month. That's right, the CCM Magazine you've always loved now has two free online editions every month. Hear the music. Listen to the interviews. See the videos of your favorite contemporary Christian artists. Enjoy CCM Magazine online now with two Two. new issues each and every month. Your free digital subscription is at CCMMagazine.com. Log on now and find out more about
10: Francesca Battistelli
9: getting real on her latest record. Sean
10: McDonald
9: showing off his brave side. Third day. Tearing it up on the concert trail with Skillet. The music you love, the artists who make it, all come alive in the digital pages of CCM Magazine. And now with two new issues every month, get your free online subscription now at ccmmagazine.com.
6: American history is filled with heroes from every walk of life, but our children aren't learning about them. That's why our friends at Regnery Publishing have partnered with Peanuts to bring you a new series of books that children and parents are going to love. Imagine learning about the heroes of American history from Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, and the rest of the Peanuts gang. These beloved characters have captured the hearts of generations. Now Charlie Brown and friends are back to teach kids about great inventors like Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell, great explorers like lewis and clark and great humanitarians like clara barton and rosa parks the three new books are called what's the big idea charlie brown where are you going charlie brown and who cares charlie brown each book is fully illustrated and features brand new stories written for children ages four through eight along with kid-friendly biographies and activity pages don't wait get your copy of these new peanuts classics from regnery publishing at your local or online bookstore today
1: welcome back to the christian outlook i'm your host don crow from ferguson missouri to baltimore maryland with a host of other episodes in between we are witnessing today a rise in ethnic tension that ought to be of concern to each one of us regardless of where you live or the color of your skin Underlying all the current points of tension and making matters worse in the urban core today has been the set of programs from our federal government that have contributed to the brokenness of family life today. And no ethnic or demographic group has fared worse than the urban black family. Star Parker has devoted herself to trying to make a difference. The founder and president of CURE, the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, was a guest of Bob Burney on WRFD in Columbus, Ohio.
11: You have a a fairly new book. It's been re-released, Blind Conceit, Politics, Policy, and Racial Polarization, How to Move Forward to Save um, America. Star Parker, how do we move forward and save America?
8: Well, let's get that first to some things that I point out in this book, is the breakdown of of culture, the breakdown of our civil society, because you're absolutely right about the war on poverty, uh, dismantling. Structures and infrastructure, in particular when it came to our poor. Uh, they, they were convinced that their problems were somebody else's fault and that we would pay them to be sexually irresponsible is what it boiled down to. Mm-hmm. I used to live on welfare. I was seven years in and out of that system, so I know the rules really well. The means test, they call them, uh, when they develop out welfare policy, don't work, don't save, don't get married. These are the rules. But some other things were happening during those same 60s. The 50-year war on poverty uh, was lost mostly because of these other challenges. We, uh, during that same time, had a war on religion where we scrubbed our schools from all reference to God. We had a war on marriage called a feminist uh, movement mm-hmm. that just convinced women that they were autonomous individuals and did not need to uh, consider the biological clock that God had given them to, to stabilize a society uh, and to uh, o- organize society as, as marriage does. Uh, and then we had the war on poverty to tell folks that, you know, there are no, uh, if there are any natural consequences to you participating in sexual activity outside of marriage, don't worry about it. We have safety nets. And so the safety nets then evolved over time into abortion on demand and, and many more uh, means tests that then got, got us to the point that we were paying people to just have children outside of marriage. And then through housing policy, we put those people in certain communities, and the next thing you know, we have birth. Um, Ferguson's and, and Baltimore's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to change public policy. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the war on poverty, $14 trillion later, $900 billion a year, not only is costing the American taxpayers uh, in, in terms of investment capital, but it's ruining lives. The human capital we can't is, is insurmountable.
11: Why is it so difficult to get the truth into the black community?
8: Well, it's difficult because we haven't built infrastructures to get that truth into these communities. It's one of the reasons that I founded CURE. There, there's mm-hmm. no mechanism for uh, conservative principles to be sold into mainstream of black America. Uh, we have our churches. We have polling data for the last 25 years that a third of the community are evangelical and conservative, but there's no structure for us to get that get any mm-hmm. information. I mean, let's face it, they're not Fox watchers. Uh, yeah. That's why uh, I'm trying to build out this machinery through Cure, so that we can get these pastors' information they need so that they can help their congregants get um, good information about what has broken down and how we're going to fix it. Liberalism has failed this community in particular, but it's failing all of our society. Uh, When you think about uh, family life, uh, liberalism is cruel. It has totally collapsed family life in this country. Very few know that in the 60s what family life looked like. Family life in the 60s. wetlock birth rates in the black community was at 22%. Today it's 72%. Uh, when you think about uh, going into the 70s, black here's what family life looked like in America. 40% of households in the 70s. 40% were husband, wife with children. Okay, this is what we went into mm-hmm. after this war on religion, war on poverty, war mm-hmm. on marriage. We still had a healthy part of our society that were husband, wife, children. It was at 40% today that number 17 percent so what happens is it, it it creates other social problems we have now housing crises as a result because you know King Solomon's right two are better than one for one they both can pay on one mortgage uh, but when you have two separate places you have you have all this urban development now where we can build out enough for people to live on their own we have a disconnection in society where we have a whole lot of uh, isolated autonomous individuals trying to figure out life on their own uh, without any structural rules and without the rules of the Bible then you just have a bunch of people looking outside to see what everybody else is doing to gain how to live. And that's how secularism came in and and basically replaced uh, just basic Ten Commandments. Uh, And when you look at secularism, it's pop culture. Uh, that's what people are doing, or it's secular humanism, or it's moral relativism. So we've become a very confused society. The reason it's so reflective in black America is, is this community got hit hardest. They were
12: they All were right. most
8: vulnerable when they started the social engineering, when liberals got a hold of political power, and, and it, so it hurt them uh, the hardest uh, because they were so vulnerable and then grabbed onto those welfare programs very early.
13: Coming up. Christianity at its core is not about what you and I should do. It's a message of what, of what God
1: has done. The Gospel, when the Christian Outlook returns. Stay with us.
7: Hi, this is Dennis Prager. Those of you who have listened to me over the years know that I'm preoccupied with right and wrong, with good and evil. In fact, I'm fixated on goodness. I admit it, it's a preoccupation. And the ancient truths that inform my understanding of goodness are the subject of my latest book. It's out now and called The Ten Commandments, Still the Best Moral Code. This book and the DVD that accompanies it is a project that in a very real sense I've been working on and working from for over four decades. Join me as I explain how in 3,000 years no one has ever come up with a better system than The Ten Commandments for making a better person and a better world and no one ever will.
6: Dennis Prager's book and DVD from Regnery Publishing, The 10 Commandments, Still the Best Moral Code, is also available in a children's edition book. They're available now at dennisprager.com and bookstores everywhere.
2: A Silicon Valley CEO is fired for opposing same-sex marriage. A teenage girl is attacked on campus for protesting abortion, and a college club loses formal recognition for being Christian. This is the country we live in today, an America where people are punished for expressing themselves and then bullied into silence. If you don't agree with a certain liberal agenda, you're targeted for silencing. This is Eric Metaxas, and my good friend Kirsten Powers chronicles this frightening new trend in her brand-new book titled The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech. With fearless candor, Kirsten gives us example after example of men and women who've been punished for expressing opinions that have been suddenly deemed unacceptable. The silencing is a much-needed wake-up call for everyone who cherishes liberty. Who will be the next victim of the silencing?
6: Kirsten Power's book, The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech, from Regnery Publishing, is now available at Amazon.com, Costco, and bookstores everywhere.
9: CCM Magazine, free and now twice Twice every month. That's right. The CCM Magazine you've always loved now has two free online editions every month. Hear the music. Listen to the interviews. See the videos of your favorite contemporary Christian artists. Enjoy CCM Magazine online now with two, two new issues each and every month. Your free digital subscription is at CCMMagazine.com. Log on now and find out more
10: about Francesca Battistelli
9: getting real on her latest record. Showing off his brave side. Third day. Tearing it up on the concert trail with Skillet. I need a the music you love, the artists who make it, all come alive in the digital pages of CCM Magazine. And now with two new issues every month. Get your free online subscription now at CCMMagazine.com.
14: Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt from my friends at Regnery Publishing, and boy, they have got a breakthrough. They have partnered with Peanuts. That's right. American history is filled with heroes from every walk of life, but our kids are not learning about them. But Regnery Publishing now has a new partnership with the Peanuts characters. They're going to bring you a new series of books that children and parents are going to love. Imagine learning about the heroes of American history from Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, and the rest of the Peanuts gang. Now Charlie Brown and friends are back to teach kids about great inventors like Thomas Edison. And Alexander Graham Bell, great explorers like Lewis and Clark, great humanitarians like Clara Barton and Rosa Parks. The three new books are called What's the Big Idea, Charlie Brown? Where Are You Going, Charlie Brown? and Who Cares, Charlie Brown? Each book is fully illustrated and features brand new stories written for children ages four through eight, along with kid friendly biographies and activity pages. Don't wait, get your copy of these new Peanuts classics from Regnery Publishing at your local or online bookstore
1: today. Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm your host, Don Crow. Whether you stumbled across our program today and would not consider yourself a Christian, or if, like me, you have more than a few decades in Christ, most of us at some point have struggled before our Creator with a crippling sense of all the things we ought to do. God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. I can't find the strength or the will to do what I know is right. And when, not if, I fall short... God wants me to make amends. All of this, this sense of our inadequacy before God, can very easily cause us to miss the central message of the Bible. It can cause us to miss the gospel. Or, at least, it can cause us to misunderstand and misrepresent what the gospel really is. I think you'll enjoy the clarifying nature of this conversation with pastor and author J.D. Greer. He was a guest of Frank Sontag on KKLA in Los Angeles. Your book entitled gospel, big, bold
11: letters, speak about the gospel. And then we're going to jump into the subtitle and some of the merit, many interesting angles that you've, uh, that you've addressed in your brand new book.
13: Yeah, well, um, you know, the title gospel, I I apologize for It's kind of audacious reach. My wife, when she heard the title of the book said, I I think that title's already been taken. (laughs) Um, and I said, yeah, I understand that. But basically it's, it's, that the center of the Christian life, the center of the Christian message is not advice um, about how we are supposed to live. That's certainly important, but it's a message um, about what God has done to save us. I've heard it said it's not primarily good advice, it's good news. And the core of that message that God has done everything necessary to save us transforms our hearts so that we begin to obey the, the laws of God, what we should do, begin to obey it from the heart. And it's a fundamentally different way of approaching God. Um, the gospel is the core. It's, you know, in the book, I explained it's not just the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the, it's the A through Z. It's not the diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. It's the, it's the pool itself.
11: Now, obviously, you writing this book you were strongly compelled to write about the gospel. As your wife kind of jokingly said, I, I think that's been written about before. But speak to what was on your heart when you first began to recognize that you were led to write a book on this topic. And then we can talk about some of the areas that were a little weak as men and women of Christ and what we can learn from your book.
13: Well, Frank, the bottom line is What prompted it is I was tired as a Christian because no matter what I did or what I how much I gave or where I went, there always seemed to be something more that I should be doing. Um, You know, every speaker that came in um, and talked um, this is back before I was a pastor, but um, every speaker came in and talked about what Christians ought to be doing. I was like, well, you know, I, I got to do that. If, you know, I ought to be um, serving the poor. I ought to be going on mission trips. I ought to be, you know, sponsoring orphan children, and and all these things are obviously great, and they're a necessary part of of what it means to walk with with God. But God was the kind of the merciless taskmaster mm. who was always standing above me, shouting, "Not enough! Not enough! Do you want to please me? Do you want to? You want me to approve of you? Then you've got to do more." And I was weary. And I would read Jesus' words about, you know, um, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, and it was then that, that I began to um, really, through the teaching of other people, through um, guys like Tim Keller, he's, he was a big influence in this book. He wrote the foreword, obviously, for the book. Um, but just realizing that, that Christianity at its core is not about what you and I should do. It's a message of what, of what God has done. I really built this um, whole book on, a, on what I call a gospel prayer that for a while in my life, I, ha- I had to pray every single morning as a discipline to preach the gospel to myself. And one of the key components of that prayer um, is in Christ, there's nothing that I could do that would make God love me anymore, and there's nothing I have done that would make him love me any less. His, uh, that's the phrase. What it means is that his love and acceptance is given to us as a gift and when you when you receive that gift and you rest in it that's when your heart really begins to change and what you ought to do for God is replaced by what you want to do for God and that was a fundamental change for me
11: JD I think there are many of us me included that can relate to the weary part we're just tired of being in this in the state of okay what's missing what 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 about this word of God that we love so much what am i not grasping a hold of in my life. Talk about gospel-saturated living.
13: Well, what that means is that for a long time, evangelicals, and I would assume that's, you know, obviously you and me, and it's going to, most of the people that are listening to this right now, um, evangelicals have thought about the gospel as the entry right. It's how you begin the Christian life. Um, What I begin to discover is that the gospel is not just the entry right. It's the entire thing. The way that you and I grow in Christ is not by growing beyond the gospel, but by going deeper into the gospel. Uh, for example, in marriage, um, when, when the Bible wants to talk about marriage, notice what the Apostle Paul does. He doesn't lay out 10 steps for you to be a better husband. What he says is, think about the 10 billion steps that Jesus took to come to you, Ephesians 5, when he divested himself of his rights and privileges and came to lay down his life for you. Why don't you think about and meditate on that for a long time? And that will transform you into becoming a much better husband. It's not that the ten steps are not necessary. I mean, there's certainly a place to teach that. It's that the core of the Christian life is not new steps of things you should do for God. it's grasping um, just the reality of what he has done for um, for us, and that overwhelms you and transforms you and replaces a heart of 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 hatred and self-love with a heart of uh, of love for Christ. You'll notice a theme once you see this in 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 the Bible's teaching, you honestly, Frank, you can't not see it it's like on every page um whenever paul is going to start talking about the what we call the imperatives of the christian life the the do this notice that he always precedes it by uh, to use another english term the indicative the explanation of what christ has done so the book of ephesians is a good example you got three chapters where paul explains in great depth the beauty of what christ has done and then the fulcrum of the book is the first word of chapter four, which is therefore. Therefore, in light of what you have just heard, therefore, this is what you should become. This is how you should treat your neighbor. This is how you should respond to your spouse or your boss or whatever. The gospel is, is everything. It's, it's from start to finish. The laws of God, whether those are the Ten Commandments or the rules of mind your church about what great, good Christians look like, the laws of God speak with the language of ought. This is what you must do. Um, In the book, I use the analogy, and I I can't remember where I heard this first, but um, basically that the laws of God are like the railroad tracks that tell us the direction we're supposed to go. Mm. They're good, but they're powerless to move the train along the tracks. Mm. The tracks can be perfectly straight and get you exactly to the destination, but you're not going to move that train. It is the gospel that becomes the power behind the Christian life that actually moves the track along the trains.
1: Coming up, more of the conversation with J.D. Greer on the gospel in the final segment of The Christian Outlook. We'll be right back.
10: Ever get frustrated trying to grasp the true meaning of the Bible? You know, how do you apply God's Word to your life, to the way you really live? Well, you're not alone. Reading the Bible can sometimes be an overwhelming experience. That's why the Life Application Study Bible was developed. It helps people regularly reconnect with the timeless principles of Scripture, guides them to apply that knowledge to everyday decisions, shows how they should treat others, and, of course, gives insight to their personal relationship with God. After more than 25 years, the Life Application Study Bible remains the number one selling study Bible for a reason. Passages that once seemed difficult are described in context, leading to breakthroughs in comprehension by the reader. The Life Application Study Bible is available in a variety of fashions in all major translations, so pick the one that's right for you. Find out more online by visiting newlivingtranslation.com LASB. The Life Application Study Bible, making timeless truth a personal truth.
12: This is Ann Coulter with a little update on the future of America. It's going to be Mexico. Hope you like it. Liberals, the media, and rich Republicans are radically transforming our country with immigration. I don't remember voting on that, do you? And their plan is so popular, they refuse to debate it in public. The media maintain an absolute wall of silence about the third world immigrants being dumped on America and how they're changing our country. The gang rape, child rape, genital mutilation, terrorism, drug trafficking, human trafficking, drunk driving, and complicated Medicare scams. These seem like front page stories to me, but the media aggressively hide them from you. I'll tell you the truth in a book more exciting than forensic files and law and order combined adios america the left's plan to turn our country into a third world hellhole there's still time to save the country but if things don't change fast it really will be adios america
6: adios america from ann coulter is out now and available at amazon.com and bookstores everywhere american history is filled with heroes but our children aren't learning about them so our friends at regnery publishing have partnered with peanuts for a new series of books that children and parents will love What's the big idea, Charlie Brown? Where are you going, Charlie Brown? And who cares, Charlie Brown? Teach kids about great inventors, explorers, and humanitarians. Imagine learning about American history from Snoopy, Charlie Brown, and the whole Peanuts gang. Get your copy of these new Peanuts classics at your local or online bookstore today. Is Christianity just a myth? Is the Bible a collection of fairy tales? Despite what pop culture says, there's plenty of evidence for the truth of the Bible. In his latest bestseller, Jesus on Trial, author and lawyer David Limbaugh confronts the skeptics head-on. Part personal testimony, part Christian apologetic, part informative evaluation of the facts, Jesus on Trial provides a reaffirmation of faith and a challenge to skeptics that cannot be ignored. Get Jesus on Trial today at your local or online
1: bookstore. Welcome back to the Christian Outlook. I'm your host, Don Crow. There is something beautiful about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There are, in fact, many things that are beautiful about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But the beautiful thing, or the beautiful aspect to which I'm referring, is that the gospel just keeps getting better. The more you understand it, the more you appreciate it. And the more you appreciate it, the more you are inclined to love and serve this life-giving God more faithfully. And so it just keeps getting better. Let's return to Frank Sontag's conversation with J.D. Greer as J.D. picks up on an illustration from Martin Luther.
13: Martin Luther said um, that, that the great commandment is a dilemma. The great commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He said the dilemma is how can love really be commanded? Yep. Because if you really love something, you won't need to be commanded to love it. You'll love it. And if you don't love something, there's no command that can make you love it. The dilemma of the great commandment is that it's a commandment given about something that can never be commanded, and that if it exists, it doesn't need a command. He said that's the dilemma. So how are you and I to receive the great commandment to love God with all our heart and love our neighbor? How can we who don't love God and don't love our neighbor – How can we actually learn to love God and our neighbor? And that's where the gospel takes us to a different place. It's not in greater, louder, more harsh commands about why we must love God. It's the message of what God has done to save us. And that changes our hearts so that we we begin to love him and love others um, from a place in our heart that doesn't need to be commanded. J.D.,
11: when I became a Christian, my first pastor um, preached on, I think one of the first times I was in church, he talked about God's love. And he said, if you're ever in confusion over how much God loves you, he suggested spend some time at the foot of the cross. Talk about metaphorically spending time at the foot of the cross. And also, I think in the first chapter, you wrote uh, a bit on without love, it's ultimately worthless. <laughs>
13: Yeah, well, we'll start there. First Corinthians 13 says that. Um, I mean, you think about the things that Paul goes through in First Corinthians 13. He said, "If I could speak with the tongue of men and angels." Um, so let's just say that you got crazy spiritual gifts. You're the most gifted person in your church. Then he says, "If I understand all mysteries." All right, so you're a great theologian. Um, you know, you and D. A. Carson can get into the finer details of of anything in the Bible, and you understand every nuance of every Greek word. Um he goes on to say, if I give up my body to be burned, I mean, Frank, it doesn't get more radical than that. When you when the offering plate is going by and you light your body on fire and throw it in the offering plate, I mean that's that's radical. Mm. Um he says, I can do all those things and if those things don't come from a heart that wants to do them, the heart of love, ultimately it's worthless. Um, all the God I'll repeat what I said a minute ago. God is not just after obedience, He's after a whole new kind of obedience. And that kind of obedience is the obedience that grows out of desire. Um, Where does that come from? It comes from um, the message, the news about what God has done to uh, to save you and me.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Christian Outlook. Follow us on Twitter at TC Outlook. That's TC Outlook. And sign up for our new podcast at ChristianOutlook.com. For executive producer Russell Schubin and producers Greg Hangler, Allie Landstrom, and Elizabeth Meyer, I'm Don Crow, inviting you to join us next time for another edition of The Christian Outlook.